This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that was, I don't know, less than ideal, but only like a slight degree under ideal. It didn't really matter. In a game like this, you wanted to see maybe somebody who hadn't had minutes yet pop off and show some self-creation. But in this game, uh, it's basically just Chris Boucher. And if that was the guy you wanted to see self-creation from, A, like you're, you're a very unique type of fan that rocks of course and and b uh you're disappointed because you probably want to see like og pop off or or gary trent or scotty or maybe armani brooks or something like that but in this game the raptors they struggle to score the ball chris boucher gary trent jr are the only guys who do it with any type of consistency the raptors lose to the new york knicks 105 to 94 and i tell you this the Raptors are now slotted to play the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. The 4-5 matchup. The biggest question, I think, regarding this stuff, outside of all the nitty-gritty details that myself and Lewis largely will get into for Raptors Republic, is uh, will Matisse Thybul play? Is he? Will he be eligible? Is he vaccinated? What's the situation with that? And uh, because, you know, the 76ers... Who knows if he's actually going to be a huge benefit for their game plan when we think about how much he impacts the offense in a bad way and how the Raptors will be able to game plan accordingly to play off of him and load up on guys like Embiid, Harden, Maxi, and Harris. And those are ranked, by the way. Like, Harris is at the bottom. You game plan for him the least. Uh, Harden is second because he's not Embiid. And, you know, Maxi maybe has a case in some games that he plays a little bit better than Harden, but he's also a guy who attacks tilted defenses a lot of the time, and Harden doesn't have that benefit. Plus, Harden also just doesn't have the activity necessary to attack <laughs> tilted defenses that often, honestly. But anyway, the Raptors are facing the 76ers who went all in, traded for Harden. They want to win the chip this year. Joel Embiid could very well be the MVP. And uh, you have that to look forward to. There's going to be a ton of stuff on RaptorsRepublic.com. Like a ton, a ton of stuff. The YouTube channel, the main site, heaps, heaps, dude. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, this game, the Raptors didn't have Pascal. They didn't have Fred. And so what that means from Jump Street 
is that the half-court offense is dead on arrival. You cannot rely on anybody left to manufacture looks for a team. Gary Trent Jr. is a guy who sometimes he gets like three or four assists in a game, and you're like, yeah, well, good passing, Gary. Nicely done. And it's because they run a DHO on the... Well, they run like a DHO after they run a primary action, and then the defense has already moved around, and he has a nice read in front of him. What does he do if his DHO was against a set defense that's loaded up on him because Pascal and Fred aren't on the court, and now he has to play make for everybody? Well, he's just not creating really good shots because he's not manipulating the defense. Same thing went for OG in this one, who there was a little bit of manipulation, and there was a little bit of manipulation from Scotty as well. But those guys don't have, you know... They don't have the same off-the-dribble pull-up stuff that uh, Gary has. Even though both of them made pull-up jump shots in this game, but they both only made three shots apiece. Like, in a game where Pascal and Fred aren't there, OG and Scotty combining for 17 points, not not super ideal. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you're just not going to find any success there. Chris Boucher coming in and slamming 21 points down the gold of the Knicks, that was awesome. He made the most of, you know the the transition stuff where he's getting out in the lane even as a ball handler just taking the ball up the floor and trying to punch any gap he sees in the half court getting on the offensive glass if it's available putbacks and being one of the only willing three-point shooters on the team if the ball comes his way he knows who else is on the floor with him he's gonna hoist that thing so he hoists that thing thad was like a plus 16 because he was one of the only players who was interested in playing any amount of defense. Plus, for the first time, the Raptors decided, like, hey, we'll let Thad do the Thadgic stuff, like run split actions and run the dribble handoff sequences above the break where, you know, maybe he can turn it downhill. Maybe you run a baseline cut at the same time as the dribble handoff and let him let him make decisions heading downhill and, and pass around and stuff. And so Thad was really good this game. And especially defensively, seeing him keep up with guys like Emmanuel quickly, that rocks. That's awesome. That's all I want to see. Like, if Thad were to make, like, four corner threes in this game, that would mean less than less to me than seeing him stick with Emmanuel quickly. Because Emmanuel quickly and Tyrese Maxey, for example, aren't interchangeable, but they're both very quick, very rapid guards who get to floaters, and there is some overlap there. And seeing Thad, even though quickly isn't as good as Maxey, stick with... Ma- uh, quickly in this game was like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe in a few days when he plays Maxi on a switch or something like that, he's not going to give up a, an easy look. Maybe he's not. Maybe he could even get a turnover, right? Stuff like that. Force him and funnel him into tough positions. So that was cool to see. Yeah, OG again, because he's super important. I have a video later this week on Yahoo Sports Canada, wherein I outline why OG will be the uh, X factor for this upcoming series. And obviously stars have to be stars, but OG is in the, you know, the awkward position of like, he is between stardom and just an unbelievably high level role player. If you would even call him a role player, right? I wouldn't call OG a role player. So that's why he's, you know, in X factor mode because they're the 76ers. Well, I'll explain way more in depth in the video and have visual aids and that kind of stuff. But the 76ers are going to have to play off of somebody. And my guess is they're going to try and get away from OG and they're going to try and load up on other guys as they have all season, as every team has all season. And OG, as we saw in this game, some nice downhill decisions, you know, a little bit of isolation stuff. It didn't go great, 
but there's enough there that you say, okay, you live with that. He's just getting back into the swing of things. In this game, he does it, and I think it it's not this game exactly, but it's just his overall body of work I think will translate, as it did against the Celtics, it will definitely translate really well to the playoff atmosphere where the margins are thinner, and suddenly a guy like OG who can screen, can shoot, can make decisions as a passer going downhill, is involved in more screening actions, is involved in more advantage extension plays or advantage finishing plays than he usually would be because it's not the it's not the regular season anymore. Maybe Kim Birch's minutes are cut way down. And OG is the guy on the opposite end of those little, you know, float passes to the short roll. Maybe he's the guy, you know, taking two dribbles and assessing the floor instead of Kim Birch. And that is something that defenses have to be prepared for. That's something that we didn't see tonight against the Knicks. But it's just, it's important. And uh, so, yeah, the downhill stuff was good against the Knicks. It was off his own dribble. It wasn't after a screen or anything. But, yeah, uh, OG was good. Like, well, he wasn't really good. He, he was probably, he, if you asked him, like, do you want to go 0 for 5 from 3? Do you want to go 3 for 9 from the floor? He'd be like, no, that's bad. I don't want to do that. And that's that's probably accurate. He, he He had a bad shooting night, to be certain. And part of that is because he's trying to shoot off the dribble all at once. And he's a definitively very good set shooter definitively but uh in this game you know when he has to try and work it into the pull-up it hasn't come around yet and them's the breaks scotty he can't pull up three nice and early but he only took five shots in this game no free throws either he was chilling you know it he he didn't think obviously that this was you know a game where he could make his case for rookie of the year, he thought, you know what? These guys have already made up their minds. Let me chill. Let me relax, get a run in, get a sweat in, make some make some nice little passes, make some nice little plays. But 21 minutes for Scotty in this one, seven points, two boards, five assists, was kind of just going through the motions, and that's all right. And when it comes to, like, Precious and uh, Armani Brooks, you know, Gary, OG, Scotty, Birch, a lot of this is just going through the motions. This wasn't a particularly competitive game like their defensive shell was fine the 76ers shot making talent isn't really that great like this was a game where if the ball funneled to Alec Burks sure he goes four for seven if it funnels to Evan Fournier he's two for 11 uh Taj Gibson is one for four but Obi Toppin pops off for 42 points Emmanuel quickly has 34 10 and 12 a triple double these are just guys punching at a defense that definitely if it was fully geared up could have taken away those two as the main two options. But this is the last game of the season where the Raptors they're set at number five, the seating changed or had the possibility to change based on how the Celtics played the Grizzlies and the 76ers played the Pistons. It played out straight. Everybody won. And so now it's five, four and the Raptors play the 76ers. Same old, same old. And quickly in top and took advantage of some of that, you know, lackadaisical defense, lack of composure, lack of intensity, and just punched these gaps over and over again. And I mean, 6 of 14 from downtown for Obi Toppin rocks. He had like seven dunks that were so much fun that you're like, wow, I, I can't believe that guy dunked it. And not only that, not only did he dunk it, he turned it into like a double clutch reverse dunk. It's just everything. Those arms go forever. And, uh, you know, I, I want good things for Obi Toppin. I love when players are good at basketball. And he certainly was in this game. You know, him, him and Emmanuel, they did their thing. 
If the Raptors wanted to, could they shut them down? Of course. Of course. But this is the stuff that will fuel the Knicks for years. Because they're like, remember, no Emmanuel quickly, 34, 10, and 12. The way we talk, the way Raptors fans like Ben Uzo, the, the triple-double game that moved them from the what would have been the seventh pick to the eighth pick. Classic stuff. I, I don't know what the, the implications for the draft are for New York after this. But anyway, yeah. Raptors, they lost this game. It's because they couldn't manufacture offense. And many people failed at that. Utah failed at that. Uh, Malachi Flynn failed at that. Armani Brooks failed at that. Gary Trent Jr. did mostly his stuff. And that was, he put shots up and he hit some of them. 17 points on 17 shots and 17 points on 20 used possessions. Eh, you know, that's fine. Whatever. You you, you take it, you leave it. it doesn't, Gary Trent is going to be asked to do this anytime soon. Maybe, maybe ever, right? So who cares, really? They lose the game. Who cares? They lost the game. Who cares? There's no repercussions. There's no, there's no consequences. Pascal was sitting on the sideline wearing a toque that said peace and quiet. And that's what you're going to have <laughs> once this podcast is over. But yeah, uh, Reggie Evans award goes to Chris Boucher. Getting 21 in a game like this, being a big man that he is, where your guards, your wings aren't very good at creating for you and you still manage to just stuff the stat sheet full of your you know, success, that's classic Chris Boucher stuff. He went to work found his own way to it, put up 21, even had three assists. He had more assists than Gary in this game. Like, you know, it's it's cool. It's totally cool. Uh, yeah, so Reggie Evans' award goes to Boucher. Big shout-out to Chris Boucher. Top quick reaction comment is from Dundeal. Quote, 48-win crew takes it down. Official update comes tomorrow morning. End quote. And uh, Dundeal, what is this? Oh, Dundeal. Did you keep track of uh, the Raptors Republic roundtable predictions? Is that who you are? Because cool, then. That, that was cool of you to do. Um, the Raptors Republic, uh, the writers, like in our Slack, um, you were brought up what you did. And I can't remember. Maybe it was like a month ago that you posted it or something. But anyway, yeah, cool. Thanks for doing that. I, w- I wasn't in those roundtables. So, uh but a lot, everybody else was. So like, hell yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see the official update tomorrow morning. Thanks for writing in Dundeal. Thanks for listening in, uh, listener. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the season. I hope you listened to every single one of these I did. And I hope you're going to listen in the playoffs. In the playoffs, um, th- they'll be longer. And it'll be more thorough focusing on fun moments bad moments and also on like it it will definitely lean heavy on analysis that's kind of my bag and uh you know i think it'll probably be it'll probably it'll well i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say it'll be the best post-game analysis you can get on the raptors and that's what i'm here to do and that's typically what the raptors reaction podcast has been since i took over that's what i aim to do and that's what it'll be in the playoffs. If you are coming to a place and you say like, man, I want to go to the water cooler tomorrow and kind of, or just know more about the game and kind of what's happening in these games that might not get, you know, as much attention at other outlets or anywhere, uh, you know, smaller things and important things that get glossed over, they'll probably be focused on here. So 
it's a unique element of the podcast. I hope you join for that, and I hope I make it fun otherwise. Thanks for tuning in all year. Thanks for tuning in tonight. But whether you did it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day, and goodbye.